Now, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back our Grand Marshal, Pro Football Hall of Famer John Riggins with the most famous words in racing. Gentlemen, start your engines. Another episode of the Speed Podcast with Tyler Head and Dalton Mullinax. We knew we were going to have a lot to talk about heading into the Daytona regular season finale this upcoming weekend. I don't think we were expecting to have so many headlines coming out of the Watkins Glen road course race, but oh boy, do we have quite a few. Most notably, Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott battling uh, pretty aggressively for the win those last couple laps. Larson coming out on top and uh, Chase Elliott with the most polite uh, middle finger interview I think I've ever heard. Yeah, he's he's got a knack for for doing those. Kind of like he said uh, a couple of years ago. You know, mom always told me if you ain't got nothing to say, don't say anything at all. And it was the same thing when he got out of the car on Sunday. And I, I I'll say this: like I thought his actions and his you know, how he was using his hands, talking to Mr. H and Jeff Gordon, mm -hmm. he sped up with it. That's twice the year that Larson has got into, I saw people saying like, took him out. He didn't take him out either time. Right. He got into, he got into him both right. times, both at final and this weekend at Watkins Glen. And obviously Larson went on to win both of those races. Right. Um, but it, it's one of those, it's like, it's, you know, I think you tweeted it as soon as it happened. Like, Hendrick Motorsports has seen this before when two, they're two top drivers, two of the top drivers in the sport, the past two champions are duking it out on the track mm -hmm. and just honestly aren't happy with one another. Right. But when you think about it, despite the differences these guys are having, are there any two better guys in NASCAR right now? Certainly there's no two better guys at Hendrick Motorsports. They are one A and one B and it's flipping back and forth on a week to week basis. It seems like, like, uh, you know, you think of the analogy of iron sharpening iron, these guys battling each other for race wins and ultimately championships are just making each other better. Well, I think they they make themselves better, obviously. That then throw them on a road course where we know they're both really good. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, course just has these road courses figured out. I don't know. You know, people say it's the great packages they run. Right. Um, they have it figured out and they are the best on these road courses. So um it's really just I'm interested to see what happens. It's obviously a little tougher because they're teammates. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't think that Chase is the guy to take out his teammate. But look, I think right now we can we can both agree that they're I'm not going to say shoe ins to make it to Phoenix. Right. Uh, shot at their second championship. But could you see it get all the way to Phoenix and, and Chase, you know, late, late restart. Chase just uses up Larson. Right. Maybe. You no. Know? And I love I love the way you phrased that used up because the uh, vitriol that came from the end of Sunday's race from, you know, the very diehard Chase Elliott fans. And look, you and I are Chase Elliott fans as well. But I think we can we are also able to take a step back and look at it from right. a more broader perspective, uh, just a pure racing perspective. And from that perspective, I have no issue with what Kyle Larson did. He lined up on the inside, which. 
I know the outside lane had better restarts all day, but when you're talking about the last restart of the race, when you know guys are going to be dive bombing, trying to get every position they can, you had Michael McDowell just behind you that hasn't won a race all season. You know he's going to be aggressive. AJ Allmendinger, who's out there chasing trophies, he's going to be aggressive. If Kyle Larson doesn't send it in there as deep as he can, then he's giving up his opportunity to win the race. Now, he didn't go out there and spin Chase Elliott out. He didn't go out there and plow him five miles off the racetrack. He overshot the corner, locked up the brakes, and they made contact. Now, Chase Elliott still was in the top five. Now, he lost a couple positions there, and it ultimately did cost him his opportunity to win the race. But I hate these people saying he took out his teammate. He raced him hard, and that was the result of hard racing, in my opinion. I thought Steve Letard said it best right after the race he's you know because they asked him well steve what do you think do you think that he should have taken it easy and and steve said it best he said the day that larson doesn't try to do everything in his power to win is the day you should worry about the sport yes and i i agree completely look i wish chase would have won that'd been five more uh playoff points had been another victory for him you know that would have been great as a fan that's what i want i want my driver to win right but also, I think it's funny. I think you brought up a good point. If you replace Chase Elliott with literally any other driver in the field, mm-hmm. if that's Alex Bowman or William Byron, nobody cares. Right. Everybody's just like, well, that's just tough racing. But because it was Chase Elliott, yes. it was how dare you race him hard and, and yeah. whatever. And it's part of it. Right. And again, with, with what – the sport is now with the way the championship is decided. You mentioned those playoff points that Chase Elliott was going for by getting that extra win. That is what the incentive is. And that's what Kyle Larson talked about in his post-race interview. I had an opportunity to go get another win, to go get five more playoff points to potentially help myself get to Phoenix and race for another championship. Like everything was on the line there. He was going to do what he needed to do to win. And yeah, if he goes out there and spins Chase Elliott into the tire barriers, then we have a problem, but just racing somebody hard out of look, how many people lock up the brakes going into turn one at Watkins Glen? A lot. It's not something that's uncommon. So right. to do it on the last restart, which by the way, it was actually ahead of him going into the turn. If you look, go back and look at the replay. So he already had the lead. He was just trying to make it stick essentially overshot a little bit, like I said, locked up the brakes, but I don't think he drove into that corner saying, you know what? I'm going to door the nine car and I'm going to take off and win this race. He's saying, I'm going to go in there as deep as I can. Hopefully it sticks and whatever happens, happens. And I don't think, and again, the fact that his teammate was lined up to the outside of him, I don't think changes it at all. If it's Almendinger, McDowell, whoever's lined up to the outside of him, I think Kyle Larson attacks that turn the exact same way. If you make the same move, it doesn't matter who it is. You make the same move every single time. Right. Um, and like, and like and it's funny, like I just said, you know, if it's William Byron or, you know, just go with the teammate aspect, if, if Larson runs into Byron or Bowman, nobody cares. Yes. Okay. If Chase Elliott runs into Larson, nobody cares. Yes. And that's just that that's part of the most popular driver that, like you said, fans can't separate good hard racing from their fandom. Right. And that's just that's part of it. And and again, we're Chase Elliott fans. We're Hendrick Motorsports fans in general. We want all of them to succeed and all of them to do well, but you know, it just was so funny to me seeing the reactions to this after the race on Sunday where people are saying, I can't believe he did this. And, you know, what kind of teammate is that? And who races that way? And I'm like, well, you know, I mean, Chase Elliott did the thing to Corey at Atlanta, which we agreed wasn't that egregious, wasn't more egregious mm-hmm. than this. Um, you know, there was the time that he 
Dord Logano at Bristol in, in the spring 2020 race. Like I can pull several examples of, of Chase Elliott doing equally egregious or more egregious things. We want to, you know, grasp at straws here. But again, I just, it's so funny to me and I get it defending your favorite driver, whatever, they can't do anything wrong. Um, I've certainly done it before, but I, I wish more people would kind of state, take a step back and again, look at it from a broader perspective of, okay, he's in this situation. I understand why he did that. Yeah, I agree. So what this means going forward, I don't know. Uh, I saw an interview with Kyle Larson earlier today where he said, yeah, the, the meeting went great. You know, the team meeting that they have on Tuesdays went fine. Um, you know, maybe it's smoothed over. Maybe it's not again. Do I think these guys are going to be turning each other into the wall at Phoenix or Martinsville or something like that? No, but like you said, maybe it's a late race restart to win the championship at Phoenix. Chase Elliott's lined up at the inside of Kyle Larson. Does he use him up going to the corner? Yeah. And is it going to be justified then too? I think so. Um, yep. It's just kind of one of those things. Like how do you, how do you go about this with two teammates performing really well? They're again, going to be racing uh, each other throughout the playoffs for a uh, potential for the championship at the end of the season. You know, how do you go about it? If you're Rick Hendrick and Jeff Gordon trying to, to monitor this without neutering these guys to not be as competitive. Well, the good news is they've already gone through it once before. Yes. With Jimmy and Jeff. Um, and at the end of the day, I think it's a good problem to have. Like you said, iron sharpens iron. Look, I mean, at this point in time, I think those guys have got to be co-championship favorites. Mm. Um, you know, where, where do we go from here? I think that's the big question mark. I don't, like you said, I don't, I don't think they're going to wreck each other, but I could see them going somewhere like the Roval and, you know, say both of them have already advanced into the next round. You know, and they're they're duking it out for the win. I can see Chase, you know, using him up a little bit to to get those five extra bonus points. Right. Speaking of bonus points, and this kind of flew under the radar until after the race. Kyle Larson's now second in overall points with that win. Um, you know, we've been talking about Blaney's up there. Ross Chastain had it. Kyle Larson's quietly put together a really, really solid summer to now put himself in position to get those ten extra playoff points going in to the playoffs once we get through Daytona, obviously. Um, but again, when, when you think about the situation that he was put in there, like, okay, if I go out here and win this race, not only am I getting those five playoff points, I'm putting myself in position to get 10 more by finishing second in the overall standing. So there was a lot on the line here. And I, again, don't blame Larson at all for doing what he did. No, I don't either. And it's, you know, you say he's second in points. It was funny because earlier in the day, Chase claimed the regular season championship. It's 15 yes. points, you know, it's, it's like, this drama surrounding both of these guys is, um, you know, I think it's manufactured a little bit. I think there's definitely some frustration there <clears throat> by Chase Elliott, mm -hmm. but hey, I, I, this has been his best season to date. Yes. Speaking of Chase and, you know, I think you, you want to be clicking on all cylinders going in the playoffs and they seem to be. So, um, you know, there's, there's bigger fish to fry than, you know, getting into your teammate with, with 11 races to go in the season. It's just not worth anybody's time. You think they're going to draft with each other this weekend? Maybe at uh, Bristol they will. Uh, yeah. Chase Elliott was so frustrated, so politely frustrated at that, that uh, he's just he's just going to go ahead and go to Bristol this weekend. Which, okay, so, so theory here. If he goes to Bristol this weekend and he's the only guy there, that means he wins by default. So does that automatically put him in the second round of the playoffs? Theoretically. I mean, he doesn't even have to run the night race in a couple weeks then, right? Who cares? Yeah, you're already in. 
See, everybody else is playing checkers. He's playing three-dimensional Chinese chess here. Why even show up to Daytona? Who cares? Now, if I, I hope, I hope the the Napa PR team is already working on it. I'm at the wrong track, Chase Elliott commercial or, or funny Twitter video because you have to capitalize on that opportunity. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, plenty of other drivers already are with their Instagram captions and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Yep. Because uh, when I heard of that, I was like, hmm, getting a few weeks ahead of ourselves there, aren't we, Chase? Yeah, just a few. Would Bristol make a great final race in the regular season? I think it absolutely would. Do I like it as an elimination race in the playoffs a little bit more? Personally, yes. Yeah, I agree. So uh, outside of that, uh, this was just a really darn good race. on yeah. Sunday. Um, Watkins Glen's the best road course on the NASCAR schedule. It's obviously been on there the longest out of all of them, but it's just it's just built for stock cars. It's, yeah. it's, it's short, but it's fast. Um, you know, you have the long straightaways, you know, have the S's, which are really fast. Um, I don't know. It, it just always complements what stock cars are. And the, uh, the next gen car I think's put on the best show, um, out of any of the road courses this year. Um, you know, some of them kind of stale and lacking a little bit and, you know, outside of like a late race battle at road America and, um, you know, Chastain bumping Almendinger and uh, Bowman out of the way at, circuit of the americas like how much stuff and besides the chaos and in indy how much stuff we're we really talking about from the road course races this year being overall good racing none up until what we got this past sunday right and i agree with you i mean it was the it was the part of the 90 percent club and jeff gluck's poll and mm -hmm. i think the biggest i saw was ratings you know year to year from comparing it to last year up 17 percent and that's that's with, huge. That's with an almost two-hour rain delay, too. That's yeah. huge. Yeah. So I mean, I, I, you know me, I'm not a big road course guy, but I actually look forward to Watkins Glen. I, I think it's the, like you said, the perfect type of of road course for NASCAR. Yeah. And I was really intrigued by uh, stage one. Obviously, they started in the wets because they've been raining through most of the afternoon, and and I love the fact that NASCAR essentially says with rain races, okay we're going to start you on rain tires. It is completely up to you when you want to put on slicks. If you want to put on slicks, that is totally your call. You know, I know for a while, for uh, like in the um, Xfinity series, they would like, Oh, when it, you know, we're going to bring out a caution. We're going to let everybody come down, put on slicks and stuff like that. Even the playing field didn't like that. What they do now say, okay, green flag on rain tires. If you want to come in on lap one and put on slicks, that's totally up to you. Use your own judgment and go from there. We had so much chaotic racing in those first 20 laps because you had guys like McTowell that were driving away on the rain tires because he's really, really good at racing in the rain. Then you had like Busher putting on the slicks really early and just blowing by people and just a mix of strategies and the three wide racing we were getting throughout the field. That was one of the best road course stages I think I've ever seen. Yeah, it was it was it reminded me a lot of um, was it the Roval? last year or the year before um i believe 2020 is when they started in the rain yeah because then because then i believe it was cindric put on and ty dylan put on the the slicks and was like good grief everybody's yeah. like we got to get these on yeah um i love the fact that we have the ability to race in the rain on these road courses and uh you know i as frustrating as it was to have to wait an extra two hours on sunday NASCAR learned from their mistake at Circuit of the Americas last year, yep. where they race in a torrential downpour. Nobody could see. We had that horrific wreck with uh, Cole Custer and Martin Trex Jr. They said, okay, 
we there's a line here of how much rain we can race in. And, you know, when, when they decided to roll out for the first time, they decided it was too much. They let it die down a little bit. And I mean, the track was pretty much dry halfway through the race. Um, so I, I commend NASCAR for making that choice there to, and especially with, when you look at what this race meant, obviously two races go in the playoffs, a lot of guys looking for that win. Um, you know, you have the Kimi Raikkonen aspect of it where you have a lot of international eyes on the sport. This was one race NASCAR didn't need to make itself look stupid. So they played a little bit right. safe and I can respect them for doing that. It was the right call. At the end of the day, it was the right call. Uh, before we move on to Raikkonen really quick, you, you just mentioned Austin Sendrick. Um, we've run almost all the road course races this year and he has not been a factor in any of them. Is that like, that is genuinely one of my biggest surprises of the season that he has not been more competitive on these road courses. Well, yeah. And that's the thing is it's not like his teammates haven't been competitive at times. Right. So, you know, it's, Oh, well, Penske just doesn't have it on road courses. this year. No, they've, they've ran well on road courses. Yeah. Um, you would have told me that, you know, we're heading to Daytona and he's got a win on the year. I'd have been like, oh, yeah, he's definitely won one of the road courses for sure. Well, going in, when, if I think we talked about this last year, like what rookie's going to have a chance to win a race next year? I said Austin Sendrick. It's definitely going to be one of the road courses. Maybe it's three or four of them. I don't know. Um, yeah. But um, he spun out. It may have been on like the first or second lap on Sunday going down into turn one. And I was just like, how is this guy not even remotely competitive at these road courses this year? That is so surprising to me. Right. So I don't know. I mean, Fords are definitely a, a step behind the Chevys and the Toyotas, but uh, again, a place like a road course is a great equalizer and somebody with his talent and skill set at those type of tracks, look at what AJ Allmendinger does with a college car to road course every single time he's either winning the race or he's finishing second. It seems like, um, mm -hmm. so I, I don't know. That's just been, what, what, something that was puzzling to me. Um, Watching Sundays, Austin Sindrick just had another mediocre day at a road course. Yeah, just a, a, a little weird for sure. Uh, back to Kimi Raikkonen. He made his Cup Series debut. Uh, thought he was doing pretty well. I mean, he was kind of running mid-pack there, just kind of feeling things out. Uh, he inadvertently got chastained. Uh, I guess I guess he's he's been christened to the Cup Series now that he's been chastained. Uh, mm. Ends up getting taken out about half through the race, ends up DNFing. But, um, you know, I thought it – I thought – trying to figure out the right way to phrase this. I thought he went about everything in the right way. And he, he respected the sport. He respected the cup series. He respected his fellow drivers. He could have come in there super arrogant saying, I'm an F1 champion. I can do what I want. I can talk to, talk to whoever I want. I can act however I want. But he really embraced the cup series and NASCAR culture. And uh, I thought he was pretty well received uh, for doing that. Well, that, you know, I think he got the respect of his peers, but the coolest thing for me was like all the other international drivers that were like, all right, I'm up next. Yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, he generated a ton of buzz. Guys like Daniel Ricciardo, Marcus Erickson, who won the Indy 500 are like, hey, that looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, maybe that had to do with the increase in um, viewership. I don't sure. know. I mean, somebody can figure it out, but um Look, I, I think we we talked about the the Project Ninety One car and um, how it could be really good just for the sport in general. Right. Well, and I think having somebody like Kimmy being the first one to drive the Project Ninety One car was almost perfect because 
when you think about guys that have done the crossover or, or come from other forms of motorsports, James Davidson drove an entire season racing for Wickware Racing, never did anything. You know, um, Jacques Villeneuve drives for that 27 team, and, you know, they're a backmarker. He doesn't make any noise when he drives that car. So putting one of these renowned superstar drivers from another you know, discipline of motorsports in a car that is capable of winning the race, his teammates have won races this year. He's going to be in the right. same equipment as them. I think that is what creates that more interest because anybody getting in another in one of these cars is going to go out there and get want to give it their best shot and think they have a chance to win. So if I'm Marcus Erickson, if I'm Daniel Ricardo, I see that Kimi Räikkönen's in a car that has the chance to win at a place like Watkins Glen. Heck yeah, sign me up for one of those races next year. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's the point of the car to be competitive enough to to bring you know, outside drivers in to just give it a shot. You know, I'm not expecting them to go out there and win, but, you know, more eyes on the sport, the crossover we've talked about before, we definitely love. I think we need more of it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know Elio Castroneves was talking about getting a NASCAR ride after he won that SRX race a couple weeks ago. Like, hey, Daytona 500, come on, let's do it. Why not? Now, how would you, I got to ask you this, because obviously you're a big Jimmy Johnson fan. How would you feel if he made his NASCAR return in Project 91? Nope. I, I do not want to see him in anything other than a Hendrick car. No, but that's the problem. Like, there's Hendrick's taken up all four no, cars. I, no fifth I, car. That's why I I will say this. The only other option would be, like, if that I'd be okay with is, like, he ran a, a JRM car in the Cup Series. Okay. That's, like, I mean, it would essentially be a fifth Hendrick car anyway. Dale Jr. stickers on it. Right. But no, I don't want him to go run like with track house. No. <laughs> there. I, it was weird enough for me watching Jeff Gordon drive the 88 car in 2016. Yeah. Like, this, this doesn't feel right. This isn't right. Yeah. Especially for two guys that literally spent their entire career with one team and one number. And for Jeff Gordon, he made all of his starts consecutively. Jimmy Johnson unfortunately had to miss the uh indianapolis race in 2020 and that cost him that opportunity um well no he made spot starts in 2001 correction on that um but yeah seeing him like in the 91 car for a non-hendrick team would be really really weird but he has been expressing interest in maybe making a comeback for a one-off race or something like that yeah i'd be shocked yeah i don't know um he's he's still figuring the indycar thing out yeah so um overall really really great weekend of racing at road at a uh, watkins been almost said road america there uh you had kyle larson and uh, aj Allmendinger one two on sunday as well as on saturday as uh, uh ty gibbs and and uh, william byron decided to take each other out in the last couple laps there and opened up the floodgates for kyle larson um this is what they've had five road course races this year aj Allmendinger's won three of them i believe Mm-hmm. And again, he finished the second there, so uh, nearly got his fourth win there. Yeah, to say, excuse me, to say he's good on road courses would be an understatement. Now, how how often did you get confused watching the seventeen and the eighty eight running the exact same paint scheme battle yeah. on Saturday? I don't know who thought that one through, but they didn't think very hard. It gave. I, I mean, from an exposure standpoint, it's great. I mean, that's double the advertising, right? Especially if they're at the front of the field. It gave me a uh, Red Bull racing vibes. Yeah. But yeah. I think I believe that was the last race for the Hendrick 17 car. It is. So um it got well, no, nobody won in it. Nope. 
surprisingly. Yeah, I mean, you had Byron and obviously uh, Larson at Road America gave you the best chance, but both came up a little bit short there. I don't know. I thought I thought it was cool to see Hendrick Motorsports back in the Xfinity Series. It is kind of weird because JRM's effectively their Xfinity Series team anyway, but I thought it was neat nonetheless. Uh, you know, we're on the 17 for Ricky and all that's really, really cool too. Yeah. Uh, jumping on a little bit of silly season news. Didn't have much going on this past week. Um, Ryan Blaney signs an extension with uh, Penske Racing. Um, I mean, I, I, I can't see him going anywhere else. He seems to have a good home at Penske, running very well, consistently winning races every single season. Hasn't gotten one this year yet. Maybe it comes this weekend at Daytona. Um, but I think that's a big move for uh, Team Penske to keep Blaney around. Definitely. As well as Eric Almarola, who, I mean, the, the discussion about him retiring has been ongoing this entire year, basically since he announced his retirement. And it seems to be that he's not going to retire. And we got a lot of official media saying that on Friday, but then he turns around on Saturday. I haven't made up my mind yet. I'm, I'm a little confused on where we're at here. Yeah. I think it's just a big question mark right now. I mean, it sounds like, sounds like he'll be back. I mean, we know Smithfield's going to be back with him. I mean, it sounds like he even wants to be back really. He just, he realized, but ready to give it up full time. Um, so I expect him back. I think everybody else does. Maybe they have some kind of fancy, you know, reveal they're going to have that, you know, some announcement that makes everybody go crazy for number 10. I don't know, but. But, well, you know, when you're talking about the, you know, potential rides that Kyle Busch could end up in, that's certainly one of them. If Amaral is deciding to walk away. Um, but again, it certainly seems like he's going to come back. I just wish we had more of a, a concrete answer there. Mm-hmm. And uh, based on what Kyle Bush was saying in his media availability over the weekend, I mean, it sounds pretty concrete that he's not coming back to Joe Gibbs Racing at this point. Like all, he never officially said that. When you kind of read between the lines of, you know, things are about to look different than they have for the next for the past fifteen years, and I just hope I can go somewhere that's going to, you know, keep my my truck team around and you know give me the ability to to bring Brexton up and all that kind of stuff. Like I, at this point, I'd be really really shocked if Joe Gibbs Racing resigns him. Yeah, it sounds like he, he already knows he's not coming back. Yeah, certainly so. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how all that continues to unfold, especially as we get into the playoffs and, you know, the end of the season approaches and the beginning of next season gets closer and closer. Mm-hmm. All right, we finally arrived at Daytona. I've been looking forward to this race for so long. It's going to be completely nuts because when you look at the scenario, we have 15 winners, so we're not going to have more than 17, so – we have the potential to get 16 winners in or 15 winners and one guy in on points. And Ryan Blaney has a 25 point advantage over Martin Trex Jr. To me, Martin Trex, I mean, you just got to go for the win. Like saying I'm going to go up there and points race with the stages and stuff is way easier said than done at Daytona. Yes. He won two stages in the Daytona 500, but making up 25 points in a super speedway race outside of Blaney getting taken out in a wreck in like stage one and earning one point overall, if I'm Truex and, and Blaney too, that's the thing. Like Blaney can't rest comfortably in either scenario. He can outpoint Martin Truex Jr. But still get knocked out by somebody else winning. Um, yeah. The advantage for Ryan Blaney though, we know how good Penske is at super speedway racing. You've got two teammates already locked in. You've got Harrison Burton, who also is trying to win a race and get himself in the playoffs. But you have four Penske cars that can effectively lock down the front of that field. And if they want Ryan Blaney to win that race, they're going to give him a really good chance to win that race. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is we know, we know they'll be strong, but like you said, the other Daytona, anything can happen. Yes. And that's, 
that's what's interesting, um, you know, going into this weekend is, and I'll even throw my, you know, profession into it, chance of rain. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's it's summertime in, in Daytona. What do you expect? That's right. Uh, so I, it's one of those, it's going to be a lot of different storylines going um going into the race Saturday night well and I love that and again we didn't get to 16 winners overall but but effectively it's now everybody going for it so for if you're Ryan Blaney Martin Shrex Jr. or any of these guys on the outside that don't have a win your only focus is winning that race if you're one of these guys that's already locked into the playoffs your only focus is winning that race or winning the stages to get those playoff points like really and yes there's a, a close battles within the top 10 in points to get those potential playoff points as well but really the the stage points this is the most meaningless stage points are going to be all season long in my yep. opinion because everybody in the field is going to be laser focused on winning that race yep i agree 100 percent. i think this is going to be a barn burner i cannot wait mm-hmm so with that, we get to our picks. We have the Xfinity Series on Friday night, the Wawa 250. Uh, I have a list here of some notable names that are going to be in that race that could possibly influence your pick. Those include Justin Haley, uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and uh, how about old Front Row Joe getting a second Sam Hunt car in there racing alongside his son, John Hunter Nemechek? So I, you, you rattled off one of the guys that thinks is going to win it. There's been nobody better in the Xfinity Series at Super Speedway Racing than Colleague. You throw the best of the bunch back in there and Justin Haley, give him an extra car. I'm going to say Justin Haley goes on to win. I like sticking with colleague racing. I'm going to go a little bit outside the box with this one. How about Landon Castle? He's actually a really good super speedway racer. And now he's with the best super speedway racing team. Again, it's been, you know, crazier things have happened, certainly. But Landon Castle knows how to find his way to the front of these super speedways. And he's obviously with a really, really good team. So I'm going to go with Landon Castle. Yeah, would definitely be a big win for him. And now Saturday night, 15 winners already locked in. The fate of the 16th position lies on either a new winner or either Ryan Blaney or Martin Shrex Jr. pointing their way in. Do we go 16 winners or do we stick with 15? I think we go with 16 winners. All right. So a little out of left field here, not completely. I've been waiting to make this pick for like two and a half, three weeks now. Brad Keselowski sneaks into the playoffs this weekend. What if I told you that I've been thinking about that pick as well for like the past three months? I'm telling you, there's just something about him that he seems to be running well and just overall happier. I don't know if it's just because things are starting to go the way they want to. And right. look, we're friends. Anything can happen. Well, and you think about it too. Brad, Brad Keselowski knows that team has been struggling in their building and stuff like that how much time do you think they've invested into this car for this weekend, knowing this is probably their best chance to win? They won the dual race earlier this year, obviously. Like this, they have put, I guarantee you they've poured a lot of hours into that car. Yeah, I bet they have to. Okay, well, since you stole my pick, I'm going to have to go with my second option, somebody that's also really, really good at super speedways that we know how well the Toyotas work together despite their lower numbers. I'm also going to go with 16 winners. I'm going to go with Bubba Wallace getting his second career victory. He was he was number two on my list. Oh man, this I'm I'm so dang excited. This is going to be such a fun. I hope we I hope we don't get rain shortened. I want to see all 400 miles of this because it's yeah. going to be nuts from beginning to end. Uh huh. So once we get through that, we'll break all that down. Then we'll be looking ahead to the first race of the playoffs 
in the Southern 500. It's crazy to think we're already here. It's flying by. It's been a great season. Mm -hmm. All right, for Dalton Mullinex, I'm Tyler Head. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time.